the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Different places here in the country. so That's right. Here we go. Getting ready to go live now. Very good. Dina Arnett is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satara is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and and is associated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in studio with us today. Hello, Dina. Good morning. It's so good to see you. As always, it's a great, uh, great thing to see you. And we're excited about today. We've got lots of fun things planned for you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely we do. We're going to talk about the markets. It was a busy week for market watchers. And then we're going to get back to basics today. I'm going to talk about how to interview a financial advisor. We talk about financial planning. We talk about investments. We talk about the markets, the economy. But how do you hire the person who is going to help your family achieve its financial goals. I think that's pretty important. I think it is, too. You want to put that one on the top of your bucket list, for sure. That's right. That's right. But first, let's talk about the markets. A busy, busy week in the markets. We knew coming into this week it would be a volatile one because the Fed met this week. Uh, and meet they did. We'll talk about <laughs> that. Um, the Dow lost 1.5% this week. The Dow Jones Industrial Averages for the year, this is our blue chip Index. It's up only about one and a half percent. The S&P was down eight tenths of a percent this week, but it's still up seven and three quarters for the year so far. The Nasdaq was up just a smidge. Um, and that index, primarily tech, is up just shy of 17 percent for the year. Wow. So, yep. Yep. So we're seeing kind of a mirror image of what we saw in the markets last year. Last year, the NASDAQ was one of our worst performers. The Dow was one of our best performers. Now, best and worst are relative terms. It was still a negative year. But the in, in times like we had last year with rising inflation, uncertainty with the Fed raising interest rates, you're going to see defensive stocks hold up better. And that's what happened. 
This year is a rebound year. We're making back what last year took away. And it is not uncommon to see the worst performer in one year be the best performer going into the next year because of the bounce effect. And that's what we've got going with the NASDAQ right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we watch the yield on the U.S. Treasuries. The big one to watch is the 10-year Treasury bond. And that note fell to 3 a little less than three and a half, three point four four percent this week. That's down just three basis points from a week ago, but eleven basis points above the week's low at the height of all the banking stress. And if you're interested, a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude oil fell three and a half to seventy one fifty. And the biggie, people don't talk about this one very much, but the VIX, the the volatility index, this tells us how wild is the roller coaster ride we're getting on the markets. The VIX rose to 18. It was 17.2 last week. It got up as high as 21 and a half. And the bigger the number, the more extreme that roller coaster ride is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a volatile week, and it was made volatile primarily because the U.S. Federal Reserve met this week. And this week, they changed their language. They raised interest rates by a quarter of a percent, which was widely anticipated. No surprises there. But rather than have this language in their statement that they were going to continue raising rates, they said, we're going to just wait and see now. They said any further rate hikes, they will decide on a meeting-by-meeting basis. They have not put out there that there will be a rate hike at the next meeting. Market watchers actually think the Fed is at the end of their tightening cycle, the end of all these rate hikes that started in March last year. The federal funds rate is between 5 and 5.25%. And That's a huge change in just over a year. Market watchers also think that because um, uh, because of the banking system stress and looming recession risk, they think that the Fed could cut rates as early as September. The Fed, in their statement, said they don't see rate cuts this year. Oh, wow. So we'll see. The market's pricing in rate cuts. The Fed is saying not so fast. You would think there would be a good reaction on the market in, in the market because of that. Um, it, it was a, a little skeptical re- thing going on, right? Well, it was a tough reaction the day Chairman Powell made his comments, which was Wednesday afternoon. That was a tough day. Um, Thursday was tough. The market had a very nice 500 point rebound yesterday, best day since January. Mm-hmm. So um, that's we're at this point in time where it's it's very very clear that the fed it has reached the end or is this close to the end of their rate hike cycle what we know from from history is that when the fed stops raising interest rates typically the market rallies Typically, the market gets really, really happy when the Fed stops raising rates. Of course. There's more money in it for everybody. They can spend more money. They can do more things with it. Well, it it just the, 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 the rate hiking cycle, it, it's, it's an economic event, no doubt. It's a financial event, no doubt. But if you look at the psychology behind investing – 
uncertainty mm-hmm. in the markets, mm-hmm. uncertainty in the economy, uncertainty with Congress and fiscal policy. It makes investors nervous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why we get that wild roller coaster ride. That's why in times of heightened uncertainty, the roller coaster ride gets more extreme. That VIX number gets bigger. This will be one big piece of uncertainty that investors can put to bed for a little bit. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So um, that 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 psychological impact is is there, and that can drive markets just like the data can. Mm-hmm. Now, across the pond, the European Central Bank did the same thing this week. They're still fighting inflation. They're a little bit further behind in their fight than we are here in the U.S., but they raised interest rates by one quarter of a point this week as well. Um, not sure what they... Um, not sure how much longer they're going to be raising rates, but um, their uh, their equivalent of the Fed funds rate is at three and a quarter percent. That's a little bit slower pace than their recent half point rate hikes. Um, we'll see for them as well. Um, inflation is not just a U.S. problem. Inflation mm-hmm. right now is a problem that is spread across the globe. So as your individual investor, what are we doing to sort of curb that in our own portfolio? Are we going into bonds or what are we doing? Well, it really depends on your financial plan, Chris, because all of these different things that that move the markets, I tell my clients, look, we're going to have a year like last year. Okay, where the market goes full on bear market territory, we're going to have years like that every seven, eight, nine years. It's not an unusual occurrence. Every time it happens, it can be a different thing that that starts it. It can be a different catalyst to that type of market. But the reality is we have got to, as investors, we have got to be aware that this is normal market behavior. We've got to make sure that our risk level is appropriate. I don't want anybody losing sleep over this, okay? Don't take more risk than you can sleep with. Make sure the asset allocation has a good long-term expected return so that your family can weather these market storms as they come. Mm. So in terms of what do you do right now in anticipation of the Fed stopping with the rate hikes, make sure that you do the things I just said. Make sure that you've got the appropriate amount of risk. Make sure you're not too conservative, not too aggressive. We want Goldilocks just right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do a rerun of your family financial plan. You know, one of the neat things about doing financial planning, true comprehensive planning that looks at all six areas of your financial life. The great thing about that is you can sit down with your financial advisor and see what the impact of a year like last year has on your plan. So many of our clients are still right on track. So how do you really sort of adjust and understand your risk? Everybody's different, right, as far as that real reality of risk is concerned in their portfolio. And and I try to I try to make risk an easy to understand concept. Now I realize that my definition of risk may be a different definition than a lot of investors, but I, I look at risk as the volatility. How much is the roller coaster ride? How, how extreme are the highs going to be? How extreme are the lows going to be? 
clients will tell me, hey, I don't care how high the highs are. Give, give them all to me. <laughs> but, the, but the lows, we need to minimize those. So when I'm evaluating risk for a client, I get into the numbers. I get into the statistics of standard deviation, alpha, beta, sharp ratio, trainer ratio. These are all statistical measures that help us kind of put our arms around what risk really is. And if I have to boil it down to its absolute simplest, I am showing a client, look, in the best of the best times, here is the best rate of return we're likely to get. Mm -hmm. And in the worst of times, here's the worst return we're likely to get. And then I'll show the average. If I've done a good job and if the investments are appropriately allocated between all the applicable asset classes, I've got more potential upside than downside. I see why they equate it to the roller coaster. I know my better half and I, when we go to the amusement park, I'll get on the scariest, meanest, roughest rides and have a great time and she won't get near them. Because she'll be scared to <laughs> go down there, up or around, or just the scary rides. It's kind of similar to what you're talking about here. Well, and the roller coaster analogy is so applicable. I, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm picturing in my mind going to King's Dominion. That's mm-hmm. the big, uh, one of the big amusement parks here in the D.C. area. And when I was younger, I would go on all the big rides. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking the, the higher and the faster, the better. I, I'm, I'm not quite as young as I once was. Ha, okay. You know, 30, 35 is daunting. Um, but I I would not be so inclined to ride those wild rides as much today. Mm. And as investors, it's the same idea. As we get older, as we get further and further down our timeline to retirement, our willingness, our desire to accept wild rides with our investments, it does start to wane. It does start to come down. And part of doing financial planning is making sure that as time goes, as time passes, that the the ride meets your needs. Mm-hmm. We can't just completely clamp down. We can't go put everything in a in a one-year T-bill, making some amount of interest, and, and expect to outpace taxes and inflation. It doesn't work quite that way. But... You will want a portion in very safe, secure things. You'll want a portion in a little bit riskier things that give a little bit higher interest yield. And then you're going to want a long-term portion of the portfolio to help outpace taxes and inflation to allow your investments to live as long as you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that and that mix changes over time. Gotcha. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in and join the conversation, please do so. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. We do hope that you'll join us and call in with your questions. Love to hear from you. to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
Youth for Tomorrow has two events coming up, and you are invited. On Thursday, May 11th, join Youth for Tomorrow at the Ritz-Carlton in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, for the 34th Annual Burgundy and Gold and YFT Hall of Fame induction ceremony. This is the year's premier charitable fundraiser for Youth for Tomorrow, and it will feature former Washington football coach and Youth for Tomorrow founder Joe Gibbs and NFL Hall of Fame members Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long. There will be awards presentations by the Quarterback Club of Washington, and you'll have a chance to support Youth for Tomorrow during its exciting live auction. Also, sponsorship opportunities remain available for the 26th Annual Youth for Tomorrow Golf Classic on Tuesday, June 7th at the Westfields Golf Club in Clifton, Virginia. For more information on either event, go to youthfortomorrow.org. That's youthfortomorrow.org. August 26th on your calendar. Larry Rosenthal will once again repel 14 stories down the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center. He will go over the edge with Holistic Haitian Alliance, formerly known as Helping Haitian Angels. To learn how you can help, go to helpinghaitianangels.org. That's helpinghaitianangels.org. Well, that sounds like fun, jumping over, uh, jumping off of a Hyatt Regency. Let's just go do that. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. He, uh, I know. He, it's just a fun time. So, uh, and it's exciting that uh, you're able to help somebody by doing something like that. And he's he's trying to get me to do that. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. He's recruiting a number of people. He's he's recruiting a so number. So does that, does that mean that you're going to do it, or is that uh... no? That's that goes back to the roller coaster conversation. Okay. okay. When I was 25 years old, I went skydiving. Did oh, it really? twice. I did. I did. I did a tandem jump from fourteen thousand ish feet. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough money to do that today. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, the things we do when we're young, right? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm the 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 need and desire to have risk in my life is going down in all categories. <laughs> In all categories. Give us a call at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Let's go on over to Kansas City and talk to Nelson. Nelson, how are you, sir? Hey, Nelson. Good. Doing well. Thank you. What's your question for Dina today? Uh, I want to ask you a question. When you talk about uh, volatility, uh, are you talking primarily from a strategic uh long-term approach in other words if you if you had a tactical approach when it was needed and a strategic approach when it was needed wouldn't that help um uh, uh, get you possibly better returns uh, you know being able to, to know when to go tactical when to go strategic or what percentage Okay, there's a whole lot built into what you just said, Nelson. So, so let me talk about volatility in its purest form. When I talk about volatility in its purest form, I'm talking about what is the difference between the highest high and the lowest low. The bigger that difference, the higher the volatility. Now, the, the switching from strategic to tactical be very, very careful that that doesn't turn into market timing because what we have learned 
through years and years and years, decades of research, is that market timing for most people simply doesn't work. And when you talk tactical, that's what that means to a lot of people. Now, when I say tactical, when I'm talking about tactical asset allocation, I'm looking at things like, Oh, for example, in a rising interest rate environment, do I want to be in traditional interest rate sensitive bonds? No, that's a tactical thing. Um, Pure modern portfolio theorists will say, hey, you know what? You're supposed to have intermediate term bonds in, in your portfolio in some manner. And you just know that over time there will be phases when those intermediate term bonds do well, there'll be phases that they don't. The tactical approach says, well, if I know we're going into a a, a rising rate cycle and I know that intermediate bonds don't do well, might I go to something else for that period of time? If that's what you're talking about, Nelson, when you're talking about tactical asset allocation, then yes, you can improve your chances of getting better returns and smoothing out that volatility. You better know what you're doing when you do it. Mm. Uh, I think we lost Nelson there, but if you uh, you still have other questions, Nelson, feel free to call us back. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. You know, I said when we started the program that we're going to get back to basics. We're going to talk about how to interview a financial advisor because that's arguably one of the most important people in your court when it comes to mapping out your family financial strategy. So how do you interview that person? How do you determine what you want from that person? Because this is a relationship that if you do it right, it's going to last for decades. You'll hire a financial advisor. Your children may end up hiring that same financial advisor. Especially if you trust them. Yeah. That's, that's right. A, yeah. That's right. So question number one for a potential financial advisor, are you a fiduciary? It seems so simple. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems such a simple question, but you need to know that the person you hire is working for you mm-hmm. and not their company. Legally bound to do so. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We now in in the United States, we now have what's called a fiduciary standard. You want to make sure you understand what that means to the advisor that you hire. It should mean that they are working in your best interest, not the best interest of themselves or the firm that they represent. There's a government organization that actually sort of follows up behind that, make sure that that's done correctly, isn't there? Well, there's there's a lot of them. So Finra and all those guys, Finra and and um, yes, but there are also credentials that mandate Ah, fiduciary standard. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I became a certified financial planner. I see that on the wall there behind you. Yep, CFP. Um, I became a CFP in 2003. And part of my CFP credential is that I must be a fiduciary for my clients. Mm -hmm. I must operate in their best interest, not my firm's, not mine. And if I am found to do otherwise, I risk my credentials. CFP was very serious about that way before there became a, a governmental fiduciary standard. So you want to ask that question right out the gate. Mm-hmm. And I would submit to you that if they are not a fiduciary, that's a non-starter. That's the first question. If yes, great. Go to the next question. If no, thank you for your time. Sounds like that old flowchart, right? That's exactly right. 
Hmm. Without thought we had Margaret on there, but somehow she must have popped off as well. If you'd like to call in and talk to us, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. The next question, after we get past the fiduciary question, how are you paid? Do you charge commissions? Do you charge a planning fee? Do you charge an annual asset management fee? Are there ancillary costs? I want to know what my all-in fee structure is going to be. Um, You may find that there are advisors who charge this annual asset management fee, but then the custodian Uh, wherever the accounts are held, they may tack on their little fees on top of it as well. Not saying that's a good or a bad, but you want to know. You don't want to get your first investment statement from your financial advisor and say, hey, what what are all these extra fees? I thought you were charging me 1%. What what is all this line by line by line? I, I get the phone bill every month when I see my cell phone bill. There's all this, this extra line, this other line, this tax here. And I'm like, Gosh, I thought it was only $20 a month, but no, it's $400 a month. I mean, there's a lot of fees tacked on. You don't want that from your financial advisor. No, you don't. Make it very, very, we just want clarity, okay? Don't, everybody everybody in my line of work expects to get paid. That's no secret. But Mm -hmm. you want to understand the line items, if there are any. I find it very, very nice to have one all-in fee, and then you don't have to worry about all those extra oh, yeah. line items. Yeah. yeah, that does make it nice. And you want to know how your relationship is going to work. And by that, I mean, are you charged by the phone call? Are you charged by the email? Do you have an open-door policy that I can call anytime I need to call? How often are we going to update our financial plan? What's the what's the the reciprocity in terms of communication between the two of us? It's it's sort of like, well, it's it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand what to expect from that relationship, and part of that is understanding investment philosophy. Okay, I talked earlier about pure modern portfolio theorists who will go by that pie chart no matter what. If that's the kind of financial advisor you're looking for, you need to make sure to ask that question. What is your asset allocation philosophy? Like Nelson said a little bit ago, are you purely strategic? Is the asset allocation we put together today going to be my same asset allocation one, three, five years from now? Mm -hmm. Or is there going to be a tactical element? Can this asset allocation change? And by the way, do I have input on that? Can I come to you and say, hey, I have been reading and, and researching XYZ stock. I'd like to incorporate a piece of that into my portfolio. Am I allowed to do that? And before you ask all these questions, Chris, you actually want to know what is the right answer for you. There's no universally right or wrong answer on some of these, but you need to know what you expect or what you want from the financial advisor. If you want someone who is purely tactical and you interview someone who is purely strategic, that may not be a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. You may like them as a person. You may, may think they would be fun to go to a concert with, but not necessarily the right financial advisor. I'm not going to a concert with my dentist, for example. I mean, I love the fact that he's great with teeth, but I don't think he has good taste in music. He he may be a fun guy. I mean, don't, you know, don't take the the music at the the dental office as as (laughs) his taste in music. Come on, give the guy a break. There you go. 
There you go. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Give us a call if you have any questions at all here this morning for Dina Arnett. Yep, and we're talking about questions for a financial advisor. And, and the biggest point, you need to know what your right answers are. Okay, what works for me may not work for you, Chris. Know what your right answers are. What is your philosophy on active management versus passive management? You're going to have to get into that a little bit. I, I know. I, I'm sitting here thinking you better know what those two terms mean. Yeah. Right. So when I talk active and passive management, this really goes to mutual funds versus indexing. Okay. If I purchase or I invest in a hypothetically a large cap growth mutual fund, chances are that mutual fund is actively managed, meaning there is a fund manager who's sitting at the keyboard day in and day out making the decisions what to buy and what to sell in that mutual fund. It may have 50 different stocks on January 1, and by July 1, it may have 50 completely different stocks. That's called turnover. In a non-tax-deferred account, that turnover can cost you tax dollars. Not necessarily a bad thing, but you need to understand it. You need to know what that advisor's philosophy is on that type of management. The passive management is buying typically exchange-traded funds that mirror an index. So, for example, an S&P 500 index or a NASDAQ index. Those funds don't have someone sitting at the switch making buy and sell decisions inside the fund because it's a set thing. The costs are lower, the turnover is lower, and in a non-tax-deferred account, that may be preferable. Mm -hmm. So you want to understand the 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 active versus passive idea and how that advisor will implement it. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 And, and there's, again, no right or wrong answer. Um, the, the, the two issues with that active versus passive idea, issue number one, in a non-tax deferred account, so I'm talking not an IRA, not a Roth IRA, not an annuity, um, a, an actual taxable account. Something they call a non-qualified <laughs> qualified Non-tax qualified account, yes. In that account, an active mutual fund may generate more taxable dividends, interest, capital gains distributions than the passive ETF or index type approach. You want to understand how that works. And if the advisor can't talk to you about that, again, might be a question mark for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you have a checklist there that you need to go through to find the right person to match up. With it's you. a big deal. It is a big deal because it's the future. It's the, you know, it's matter whether you're going to run out of money in retirement or not, potentially. So Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in for 855-767-3123 is our phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a moment. Stay tuned. Stay with us and call us at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. More of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dean Arnett here today, here in just a moment. Stay tuned.
listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Mark down August 26th on your calendar. Larry Rosenthal will once again repel 14 stories down the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center. He will go over the edge with Holistic Haitian Alliance, formerly known as Helping Haitian Angels. To learn how you can help, go to helpinghaitianangels.org. That's helpinghaitianangels.org. What a great cause. I'm not so sure I'm going to be the one doing it, but I'm grateful for those who do. It's a wonderful cause for folks that uh, are you know, struggling in, in Haiti, so please help mm-hmm. out if you can. 855-767-3123. Back with the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett here today. So yes. we're continuing to talk about getting that financial advisor lined up for life. Yes, and how you interview them. And, mm-hmm. and it's important to know the questions. It's also important to know the answers that you're looking for. So we talked about asking about compensation. How do they get paid? What are your all-in costs? We want to know if there are different line items of expense that you can expect. You want that up front. You want to know if you will have input on things like investment selection, asset allocation, investment philosophy. You want to know, is the advisor a fiduciary? Are they mandated? Are they required to operate in your best interest. And interestingly enough, there are people who hang a financial advisor shingle who are not required by law to be fiduciaries. So you want to understand, and and I would recommend that you work with someone who is. You want to know what the back and forth of the relationship will be. How many meetings can you expect a year? How many statements can you expect to get a year? Are they all paper statements? Are they all online? You want to know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Asset allocation philosophy, active versus passive management. You want to know, here's a good one for you, what investment benchmarks does the advisor use to measure performance? So many times we'll see people uh, say, well, 
relative to the S&P 500, how does my portfolio perform? Well, that's great if you're in a portfolio of entirely large cap U.S. stocks. But chances are you've got large cap U.S. stocks, medium size, small size. You may have international in the portfolio. So if you're benchmarking against a purely U.S. large cap index, that may not be the best benchmark to use. So what I would be looking for when I ask that question of a financial advisor, are you going to create a custom benchmark that mirrors my portfolio rather than using just the the standard S&P 500? I want an apples to apples comparison if it's me doing the interviewing. Yeah, makes sense. What custodian do you use to hold accounts? So what does that mean? Okay. Um, If you have an account with XYZ firm, they may hold their own accounts. They may have a third party that holds the accounts. You want to know that relationship. Excuse me. It's not a good or a bad. It's a logistical thing. If you're working with an independent financial advisor, they're not likely not going to hold the accounts themselves. So you want to know who the I guess the bank equivalent is, where's the money going to be? That way, when you get your account statement, you know what name should be on there. Do you use tax and product allocation? What in the world do I mean by that? What are you talking about? What you talking about? Yeah, uh, that this is a high and deep one, right? It we is. talked about active versus passive and what that means. This one is high and deep just like that. Tax allocation says, what's the blend across the different types of taxation? In other words, a lot of times people will come in and the majority of their savings is in their company 401k plan or their government thrift savings plan. And it's never, ever been taxed. All of the contributions, all of the growth are tax deferred. The money that went in was not taxed when it went in. What is that advisor's philosophy on how to spread those dollars across tax deferred and taxable, tax deferred and tax exempt, and Non-tax deferred, non-tax exempt. Those are the three basic ways money is taxed when you're an investor. So what is the advisor's approach to tax allocation, allocating the money between the three different types of tax treatment? You know, I I have no idea, Chris, what Congress is going to do with tax laws. (laughs) I don't know if Congress does. That always changes. They don't. Um, And that's okay. But what I do know is that if I've done good tax allocation, Congress can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. I've got money in three different tax treatments that I can draw upon. And in retirement, one of the ways that, that you help the money last is by minimizing taxation. So if I've got money in all three tax treatments and Congress does something weird with tax laws, I've got the flexibility to move between those in a way that best works for me. We need, we need to hire a financial advisor who understands that and who is able to help you implement it. 
Now, product allocation is a whole different animal. Product allocation says for every financial plan, there are, well, it feels like an infinite number of types of products, right? I can do stocks. I can do bonds. I can do money markets. I can do mutual funds. I can do ETFs. I can do UITs. Get the picture, right? Mm -hmm. How is this advisor going to hone in on the product selection that is best for my family financial plan? Do I, do I want someone who's going to go into all mutual funds? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Do I want someone who's going to be 100% in individual stocks? Maybe, maybe not. Do I want someone who's going to recommend a high proportion of my savings go into an annuity program? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But when you hire a financial advisor who is a fiduciary, you want to understand what their philosophy is on different types of products. What are the pros and cons? This financial advisor should be able to discuss pros and cons for every recommendation they make. So product allocation, tax allocation, high and deep. There you go. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Bunch of things to think about. Well, it is. It, it it is a lot, and you know, I I I I think that, or or I have observed. I'll say it that way. I have observed since I've been in this business that people have gotten more savvy over time. When I first got into this business, I didn't even have a computer on my desk. When I went into a meeting with a client, I had a yellow pad and a pen. They did have computers, though. Just just to let you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're 30 years old. I'm on Bobby shaking his head. I'm in trouble now. I'll deal with you later. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, but, pad, but, yeah. but people have, have gotten more savvy about investing, about financial planning, about the options that are available to them. So it's it's really, really great that we have the Internet as a resource. It's great to use that for research. And it, it, it really means a lot to come into an interview with a financial advisor with that kind of background, understanding that this advisor is truly, they're, they're your quarterback. They're yeah, your you family's gotta... financial quarterback. You pair a good financial advisor with a good CPA and a good estate attorney, that, that's, that's your team. Yeah, it's not necessarily the fact that maybe your quarterback or your financial planner is is somebody that uh, they're not always a good fit, even if they're good at what they do, right? I mean, there can be some other things that would could be considered in there. You know, I, I, I jokingly tell my clients, I'm not going to work with anybody I don't like. There you go. Okay, but but there's there's a lot of truth in that. And, and when you're interviewing a financial advisor, a very basic thing, if you feel attention, a personality conflict, um, that's probably not your person. They may give you every wonderful, perfect answer to all of your questions, but it just may not. uneasy about the situation. Yeah, Yeah. it it may not be a good personality fit. Now, it's important. It, it's very important because, as I said earlier in the program, this is somebody that should be with you for decades. Mm-hmm. So you want it to be someone that you can feel comfortable with. You want it to be someone who you don't feel like you, you have to be reserved with. Okay. You, money is, money is a, a, a tangible thing. Money is a, a, a tool, a means to an end. It's a but vehicle. Yeah, it's a vehicle. Money is yeah. also an emotional 
subject for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you want someone that you can feel comfortable having those money conversations with. That's that's a basic one. I was thinking just just sit in the in the room with the husband and wife talking about a budget, and you'll see that money is definitely an emotional thing, planning for the future and, and getting together. And that's something you have to deal with. You're kind of a therapist in a way, aren't you? When you had the husband and the wife in the office, and you got to talk about money, it's like, how do you handle all that? You know, I, one of the best compliments I ever got, um, I, have a, I have a client who is a retired uh, orthopedic surgeon. And one day years ago, he, he said to me, Dina, it's like you're my, my, my financial therapist. <laughs> Ain't it the truth? Oh, yeah, it is. I, you know, we wear a lot of different hats. I can do the math of this all day long. I can do the, I can do the financial plan of this all day long. And sometimes we just got to talk through things. Work it out. And, and your financial advisor should be someone who can help you do that. You talk about the husband and wife budgeting. That's a very real thing. You're going it, to, it is not uncommon to have a couple come in and one, for example, is a very aggressive investor and then the other is a very conservative investor. And a financial advisor should be able to guide them through those differences in investing philosophy. Yeah, it's important to be able to get along with your financial advisor for sure, you and know. your spouse. <clears throat> it's, well, so that, that can be a that can be a yeah a tough tough thing to sort of handle and manage, I would imagine. But you have to do it, and it's important that you're able to do that kind of a thing for everybody that you work with. That's right. Yeah. A few more questions on the list, Chris. Let's the, go. The, let's, let's 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 hold that thought just one second. Let's talk. Okay. To, let's talk to um, Charlie up in New York. Charlie, welcome to the program. And what is your question here today for Dina? Hello, thanks for having me. That's a hey, very Charlie. simple question. What about buying? Good morning. Uh, what about buying uh, gold coins uh, or silver coins as an investment? Hmm. Are you looking at it as part of an overall investment philosophy, or or are you? Okay, so you would have things in other investment categories that wouldn't be your sole investment that's correct yeah okay as part of an overall asset allocation i don't mind it um i i find that gold cycles can run very very long uh, so in in my mind the the biggest thing to think about when you're investing in precious metals is the length of cycle and where you are in that cycle before you purchase the the, the age-old saying in how to make money as an investor is very simple. You buy low, sell high. And what I find is that in general, not just with gold or other precious metals, but in general, people want to jump into investments when the tide has already risen. And that can often be a recipe for disappointment with your investments. So I would say look at the cycles. Look where you are in it. Make sure that it's not a huge chunk of the overall allocation and as always have somebody evaluate the risk that you take in your total portfolio and if you choose to buy some gold coins let's incorporate that in there how do you know what's high tide because it just seems like sometimes it just keeps going up and up and up too <laughs> well and and it's it's very hard to determine precious metals tend to do better when there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the marketplace. That has long been viewed as a, a flight to safety asset class, uh, much like um, 
much like U.S. Treasuries might be in, in bad times. When people are very nervous about their stocks, they flock to what feel like safe investments. And, and for as long as I've been doing this, gold has fit that category. So I think you, if you're looking at the cycle on the precious metal, you've also got to look at what's happening economically. You've got to look at fiscal policy, monetary policy, and see whether you expect the current trend to continue with that metal. Uh, obviously, if you don't, if it looks like clear skies are on the horizon, maybe you don't want to go there just yet. Maybe you watch it and wait for the cycle to come back down. Um, that one's a tough one to time, just as any of them are. I, I find it difficult to time an entry point on most of these things. But it certainly you ups your odds of a good pick if you've done that background research. Thank you, Charlie. We appreciate the call here this morning. It is kind of hard to gnaw off a corner of a piece of gold and take it down to the grocery store, though. So there are kind of better ways to invest in that particular asset class, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. You can buy ETFs that track the spot price of gold, and then you don't have to even worry about actually holding the coins. But I know that there are plenty of investors out there who want the physical metal, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, if you're buying it and holding it yourself, um, great. If you are buying it and having a custodian hold it for you, just be aware that they're going to charge their custody fees on it. Well, isn't there also always uh, going to be a cost with uh, trading that or selling sure. that gold as well wherever you go sure. with it and transferring it into cash because right now that's what we use cash so, that's right yeah that's right 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call 855-ROSE-123 okay we'll go back to those questions sorry i put you on hold there for a minute that's okay i'll deal with you later <laughs> i'm in trouble now <laughs> um just got a handful of questions left for a financial advisor here's a big one does the advisor assume what is called discretionary trading authority Discretionary trading authority is when the advisor can trade your account without having to call you and say, hey, mm. are you okay if I buy XYZ stock? Many advisors are moving to this because markets move quickly. Discretionary trading authority allows the advisor the, the latitude to make trades on your behalf between meetings. So you want, want to understand their, their, uh, whether they do that or whether they're going to call you for every single trade. And there's an and, option for both? Sure. Yeah. They're absolutely, okay. well, well, there should be. Right. Okay. Right. Um, the, and, and if you hire an advisor who assumes discretionary trading authority, you need to understand what's called their buy-sell discipline. How do they determine when to buy something? How do they determine when to sell something? Is this a, an individual advisor's decision only, or is there an investment policy team that makes decisions aggregately for the entire firm? Those are things that I think are very, very important to understand. I think it's, um, I, I personally really like having an investment policy team that can bounce ideas off one another. Yeah, there at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group, you have one of those, I know, and you have regular meetings and you discuss things as a group and make policy across the board, right? We absolutely do. We meet once a month as a full team. Um, we've got 15, oh, I wish I knew the number right off the top of my head. I want to say there's there's somewhere 12, 15 of us that are part of that, that investment policy team. And we do make those decisions as a team. And it's great because not everybody has the exact same angle 
when picking an investment. So we have some rather lively debates about the pros and cons <laughs> of, of things that we're considering. But the cool part about that is with that collective wisdom, usually the decision is going to be better in the end. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Because you really have to trust somebody if you're just going to give them full access to your money to do whatever they want with it. But whatever That's they right. want, of course, is also a caveat that you've actually done some you know, research and such. But yeah. Yes. Yes. So discretionary trading authority, if yes, what's the buy-sell discipline and who's making the decisions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And really, uh, this next one should go without saying, but we're going to say it anyway. <laughs> okay. Will my investments mirror my financial plan? Hmm. Okay. That, it should be obvious, but it's not always. If I do a financial plan for a client and it shows that they need a certain rate of return, how, how are my investments going to mirror that? Sometimes we get a financial plan that shows a whole lot of excess in the plan. So do we invest more conservatively knowing that there's excess in the plan or do you want to swing for the fences? How is that going to tie together to my family financial plan. So you could actually have a discretionary part of that plan that would be for other things that you may want to have down the road that you may not think that you can afford at the point, but you may be able to, depending on what your investment results are. You may be able to retire earlier. You may be able to buy the beach house. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, of course. But it all needs to tie together. Mm -hmm. um, last two questions, and this one is a biggie. How do you help my family work through the three phases of financial planning? And those three phases are accumulation. When you're saving money, you've got money going into your 401k plans. You've got your Roth IRA. You've got your brokerage account. How do you help work with me on the accumulation planning and then the transition to distribution planning mm -hmm. when I actually have to start living on the money that I've been saving in the accumulation phase. And then finally, how do you help me craft a legacy for when I'm gone? Yeah. So three phases of financial planning, accumulation, distribution, legacy. That's pretty neat. When you think that you have actually got a plan in place that you can actually do something for your family after that makes it, you know, make that much better, that much more. Abs absolutely. Yeah. The, the legacy piece, I find a lot of advisors leave that off. Hmm. They're focused on the accumulation. How can we, how can we fill up a huge bucket of money for later? There are advisors who are distribution specialists, but so often the legacy piece is left off or it's limited to, Hey, did you do your estate planning? Mm-hmm. Legacy planning is so much deeper than that. And if you have causes that you want to support long after you're gone, there are ways to do that very, in, in, in a tax-efficient manner, in a manner that provides income back to your family while you're still living. It, legacy planning is, a, a high, again, high and deep, but a beautiful aspect of financial planning. 
Wow, that went fast. Our time was It already, really did. Our time You're was cutting already, me off. Well, not, not me, but you know, the time we're kind of up against the clock. But it's always really good to see you, Dina. Appreciate so you being here. So good to see here. you. And we really had a good time this, this morning. Remember, you can always call with any questions that you have. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. For Bob, who was back in the back, shaking his head at me for not being as nice to you as I always normally should be. I love and, Bob. And, and forget. Look at Bob. And for Dina Arnett, my name is Chris McKay. You guys have a great week. We'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.